This and every episode of Wrecked Podcast is brought to you by Beeksy Exchange, an upcoming cryptocurrency exchange built in collaboration with One Market Data. Beeksy is bringing legacy finance speed, power, and sophistication to crypto for the first time. With 225,000 transactions per second per pair, comparable to NASDAQ, 15 order types on day one, with 25 order types on full rollout, and a dedicated customer support team, Beeksy is setting itself apart from the competition. Check out Beeksy today at Beeksy.com and pre-register today at Beeksy.com slash registration to get your free Beeksy exchange tokens. That's Beeksy.com, B-E-A-X-Y dot com. Hey everyone, this is Jordan Bass with Taxing Cryptocurrency and I'm here with Rekt. Hello and welcome to Wrecked Podcast. I am Bunchu alongside my esteemed colleagues and co-hosts, Crypto Chamber. Chamber, how you doing, buddy? I'm uh, living the West Coast dream over here in uh, beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Is it still technically the West Coast? Is that what you call it in oh, Canada? Oh, yeah. The West this is Coast? the Golden Coast here. We've got the Sunshine <laughs> Coast here in, uh, in British Columbia. He says it's Columbia. the California of, of uh, yeah, Yeah, BC is definitely the California of Canada. Well, as Katy Perry once said, nothing comes close close to the Golden Coast. So. <laughs> That's a That's a and Cynthia Wood, how are you, Cynthia? I'm great. I'm wonderful. And we have a very special guest here. It is tax season, and it's uh, last year. It was definitely our least favorite time of year, and we're here hoping to give you some better news this year uh, because we all, you know, got wrecked. So we have Jordan here from Taxing Cryptocurrency. Jordan, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Ready to talk some taxes. I know we have some fun things in store for this episode, so ready to have a good time and you know inform some people about some things maybe they don't know about. Uh, taxes, taxes, taxes. Chamber, uh, so how do, you, how, how do you do your taxes now like, in Canada? Like I mean, my, it might be a little different for my me. My regular taxes? No, like your... Or my crypto taxes. Yeah, your crypto what, taxes. What crypto What's taxes? in your experience? That's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, technically, I really only got in... Like, this is really the only year I could, you know, uh, claim my crypto losses... Uh, I mean, technically, <laughs> I, I peppered some dough in, in the at the end of 2017. Peppered some dough. I yeah, like peppered that. some dough. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's cool kids, uh, cool kids lingo for uh, spend some money on on some cryptos. Uh, that's West co- Coast. That's lingo. West Coast. You know what? I'm really, it's really agreeing with me out here. I may or may not be wearing pants right now in my hotel room. It's 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 a party. <laughs> Chambers Donald ducking it from, oh the, from my the Golden goodness. Coast, like an, like an anchor man. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I, I've been thinking. I haven't done my taxes for for 2018 yet. Uh, it's on my to do list. I do my own, um, so I'm I'm a little. When are, are your taxes due? Like soon? Like, like we the 15th, are. Fifteenth, I think. Oh, okay. So same. So yeah, all right, mm-hmm. cool. yeah, fifteenth or the thirtieth. I'm not. 100%. It's in April. 
All right, so I've been dreading this, um, so I'm looking forward to having to hear what Jordan has to say, and hopefully you will too, because um, it's going to be, if you haven't filed crypto taxes ever before, you're going to have to sooner rather than later, and don't avoid it. Don't get yourself caught or in trouble. So here we go. Jordan, before we get into some nitty-gritty stuff, uh, Tell us your background. Where did you, you know, what were you doing before crypto taxes and how did you get interested in, in crypto? It's a great question. So it all really started for me in terms of, they kind of coincided with each other. So it started for me with crypto. Um, I was at college in the back of the class because I like to sit back there and I noticed this kid in front of me was kind of messing around on his computer this was like 2014 I would say and I saw all these weird decimal points and these crazy numbers and these photos and I I asked him about it and he's like oh these are you know I'm trading cryptocurrency and I said I have no idea what this is um, I've heard of Bitcoin but I didn't know there were these many different cryptocurrencies so he kind of got me interested in it but I didn't really you know make any investments I was just a a student uh, focusing in accounting and I was thinking about it along the way and then by the time I graduated and became I started working at one of the big four firms in downtown Los Angeles and people there continued they was they were talking about you know cryptocurrencies and I said to myself all right maybe this thing is something I need to get some exposure in so I started investing and from that point it led me to believe you know like Obviously, there's investments. There was this one piece of guidance from the IRS in 2014, and people somewhat kind of knew how it was taxed, but I was confused about it. And myself being a CPA, knowing that this is confusing for me, this has got to be confusing for just the lay person that doesn't have a background in accounting. So uh, I figured there was some sort of place in the market to provide these kind of services. And I've just been really you know, passionate about the space and passionate about cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, and all that it can do, but specifically making sure that people understand and they're educated as far as the taxability of these transactions so they don't end up being wrecked by the IRS. Yes, wrecked by the IRS is the worst type of wrecked, I believe you can have. So, uh, that's a pretty cool story. So, well, uh, I always question the, you know, the 2004 tax or the irs document uh it's pretty vague no and what's changed from then to now in your opinion so in terms of you know tax not really much has changed in terms of uh I, honestly i think just the characters in the space to be honest that's what's changed the most but in terms of tax on our side what we do not much has changed but there has been you know a little bit of guidance pushed out along the way that would allow you to maybe take certain positions or give you some sort of clarification but ever since 2014 those tax guidance is issued by the IRS which is really only one actually there hasn't really been much that's changed so there's been a lot of obviously the space is super dynamic it changes pretty much every day in terms of price and volatility and people entering the market and different corporations trying to utilize the technology or saying they're utilizing the technology but um, 
we've seen a pretty consistent approach in a pretty consistent manner, at least to the tax and how it's treated from a tax perspective. Obviously, the one big change being the fact that in the new, this won't affect the people in Canada, but the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act got rid of the ability to potentially take a position of like-kind exchange in terms of one crypto for another. That's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> uh, like-kind exchange, if you don't have that, basically what that means, correct me if I'm wrong, is every single trade is a taxable event, correct? Alt to alt, everything. Right. It, that's actually exactly right. The thing, even with the potential you know, way to treat in a transaction as a like-kind exchange in 2017, 16, 15, they're still creating taxable events with each transaction, but what the 1031 exchange allows you to do is essentially just defer that gain. You keep deferring it and deferring it, and ultimately, one day when you make your final disposition or you exit the market, theoretically how it would have worked is that then all of those deferred gains you would have to pay. Um, but now you can only utilize the 1031 exchange for real property and that does not include crypto. So yes, in a sense, it makes you pay tax on every transaction, but realistically that's, that's how it always had, had been and that's how it will obviously be going forward. Cool. <laughs> Chamber, I told you this. I told you this one was gonna make you sad. So you're sitting over there, Chamber, with every single, all the little alts you trade, and every time you trade one in and out, it's I'm only, taxable. I'm only a character. I actually don't have any crypto whatsoever. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> you're just a figment. You're, you're just a figment of my imagination. Absolutely. I yeah. No, I have zero crypto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan, we are on your website, taxingcryptocurrency.com. And on here, you have just right on your uh, your front page here uh, or in your blog from February 26th, five things to know about your crypto taxes. And so I think this would be an awesome place to just start diving into these basic five things that everybody should know, um, because, I, you know, we touched on it a little just now. Number one it says here cryptocurrencies are capital assets and profits are recognized as capital gains so um touch on that a little bit right so like we were mentioning you know previously with an alt to alt transaction or even you know selling crypto for some sort of fiat currency like us dollar um you're going to be recognizing a gain on the spread or a loss a gain or a loss on the spread of whatever your basis was in the token and whatever the eventual sales price is so if you're going from bitcoin to you or us dollars to bitcoin and you know you're buying five hundred dollars worth of bitcoin and it, it was back in the day so you were able to get a half of bitcoin for that price then you eventually sold that half of bitcoin when it reached you know, roughly $20,000, so you receive $10,000 in proceeds, your gain would be on that spread, the 10000 minus the 500 and you wouldn't be taxed at the ordinary income level unless it was a short-term gain. You would be taxed at a capital gain level, which if you are, you know, if and this also is a little confusing, but if you held the asset for less than a year, 
it would be a short-term capital gain which is taxed at your ordinary income level but in order to incentivize investment what the US does and some other places around the world they have cap long-term capital gain rates so if you have a long-term asset you would get uh, a tax rate at a decreased rate so what it means is essentially all of these transactions are creating capital gains or capital losses but what that post on the blog also talks about is when you're using crypto to you know buying goods or services so in that situation you would be buying a good but also at the same time there could be a capital gain or a loss on the token that you use to purchase that good because it will have either appreciated or depreciated in value so even though you're using let's say that same example you bought Bitcoin half a Bitcoin for five hundred dollars and at the time you you wanted to send it to somebody to buy a thousand dollars worth of some sort of good you would have you would receive that good for a thousand dollars but you would also would end up having to pay five on on that spread of five hundred dollars capital gain tax so it's a little confusing and it kinda sucks but that's where we're at right now in the space so, so I, I, yeah, I was go gonna ahead. say, I think what I'm getting from that is just don't pay your taxes. Obviously, joking. Pay your taxes. No, it's people. it's actually a <laughs> no. I, it's a good point, and you know, a lot of people like if you are a frequent trader and you trade in a lot of these alt positions. I mean, me personally, I do believe that long term, some of these alts will have legitimate value. But what I do is especially in 2018 what I did with my personal portfolio would be measuring my portfolio with its Bitcoin value and noticing that maybe my Bitcoin value was appreciating but the US dollar value was actually depreciating so when you make these sales and you're recognizing losses it could help you from a tax perspective but if you're a right. long-term bull then you still would be increasing your Bitcoin stack and that's really at the end of the day what people like that and like us here believe in so that's what we try to do so i have a couple of questions on this specific uh point uh before we move on so you know obviously you just gave the example of usd to usd and setting your basis based on you know what you bought it for and what you sold it for so that's just super easy simple math now how do you set basis for alt to alt or alt to BC btc if you know they're technically measured differently and then how do you and then i guess how do you measure that versus us dollar altogether for a tax gain or tax loss right yeah it's it's difficult it's not how it <laughs> do you do you understand you yeah. understand what i'm saying it's not how you would uh you know typically measure these transactions usually it's on a you know traditional brokerage with the stock market or traditional equities it would be US dollar to US dollar you just just different share value right so here right es yeah. yeah essentially it's you know a f it's not a currency right we don't classify it as a currency but imagine if you had a foreign currency that you needed to translate into US dollars against another foreign currency that needed to be translated in US dollars so you're translating it twice but then because it's in either, you know, typically a BTC pair, maybe an ETH pair, or if you're on Binance, I know there's a ton of other pairs that they offer now, you're really doing a third translation of pricing. So you get the Bitcoin value, let's say, hypothetically, 
but really you're you're translating the Bitcoin value or alt to alt value. You're translating that alt value and the other alt value to US dollars. So I know that sounds really confusing because it is. It's kind of a circular type of thing. <laughs> and it's really right. the best way to explain it is it's like a triple translation of pricing. Interesting. Okay. So, so you know this, okay? And maybe there's another handful of people that do. But for all the people that are in crypto that are doing their taxes, like how many realistically people are able to, like if I bring my taxes to an accountant, uh, like realistically, how many how many options do we really have? Your normal accountant would laugh at you. Laugh at you, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you need Jordan. <laughs> like, it, but in, but realistically, what I'm saying though is in in North America. Like if I'm if I'm taking a pulling a number out of the air, you know maybe a million people are using cryptocurrency in North America, probably more. Yeah, that <coughs> just that's a good. Sure, we'll use a million people. Say there's six people that know how to do cryptocurrency taxes. <laughs> there's physically not enough time for that person to do everybody's taxes. No, you know you're I mean? right. Like, no, crazy. you're right. We I I had somebody that handles our social media post on online like last week. If people, we get more inquiries, we get tons of inquiries every day, but from this point forward, in order to service our clients correctly and to do like our duty to our clients that we already have signed up, there's no way we can take on new clients right now and actually get their filings done before 100%. the deadline. So you're right. There, and wow. here's, here's the thing. There's a lot of services that are provided online where you can do some sort of data dump and they'll try, they'll try to reconcile the trades and I'm sure they have some sort of computer software or some sort of algorithm that they do or maybe they're just having someone on the back end formatting the data so that they can easily read it and the reason that's part of the reason actually why we started this was because every single service that I tried to use in the initial setup of the business which there weren't as many as there are now would come up with different numbers and to me, that says either they're all wrong or they're all just using different methods or they're all computing things differently and maybe they're all right in their right. own way. But what we do and the reason why, you know, you're right, only let's say like hypothetically six people know how to do it. I know it's more, but it's let's say, for, right. right? What we do is we have that professional set of eyeballs. Like I mentioned, I started my career downtown at Ernst & Young in Los Angeles as an auditor. So what I do is kind of analyze those reports from an auditor's perspective, reconcile, making sure everything that comes in matches with everything that comes out or else nothing's going to tie out and there's going to be balances that are wrong. You're going to have zero basis transactions. You're going to be stuck with extra tax that you shouldn't owe. And you're right. Not many people know how to do that. So they just push it aside. But that, in my opinion, is a terrible thing to do because who knows what's going to happen down the line if they're going to have, you know, some sort of the IRS could have some sort of access to these records or a database, a list of people that hold current cryptocurrencies that haven't made payments. And we don't want our clients to run into that issue. And we definitely don't want anyone in the U.S. to run into that issue. But you're right. It's a, it's a good point. Not many people are in this space right now. And the people, some of the people that are, that claim they know what they're doing, don't really, like, they really don't necessarily have that. They're not in touch with the market and in touch with the community is what how I would put it. Yeah, I think that's an awesome point. Um, I And I have another, I guess I have, I just have more and more questions as it keeps going. So, <laughs> and we're only, and, and we're only, and we're only on number one. <laughs> so, 
Um, <laughs> you, the the using crypto to buy goods or services. So here, uh, you know, you explain that a little bit, but I keep thinking, okay, I had, uh, or I keep thinking specifically like things like Metal Pay, where they have a essentially like a crypto debit card or sh- the shift card or things like that, where you held a Coinbase balance, it tied to your Coinbase balance or or your Metal Pay account, whatever. And you could go buy a cup of coffee with your Bitcoin and with that debit card. So that's a taxable event then, correct? That's correct. That it would be a taxable event. So every dollar that I would have ever spent, I would have had to pay capital gains tax on <laughs> as, I mean, as, and sales tax. So what what's your opinion on that? I mean, like, as far as uh, going forward and what the IRS should maybe look at to change in the future, because that that that's not sustainable, obviously. No, it's not. It's first of all, in my opinion, obviously. Being a CPA, I have background in this, so I understand what's going on with these transactions and why they're classified that way. But being a realist, it's not reasonable to charge or have some sort of spread in terms of your basis in a token that you purchased and then the actual payment price at that time, the spot price at that time to pay tax on that and also pay sales tax, like you mentioned, on the good or service, like a cup of coffee. Like you're hypothetically, you could be paying four dollars for a nice cup of coffee plus sales tax plus a crazy gain, like th- another three or four dollars <laughs> right. on top of that because your Bitcoin quadrupled from the time you bought it. I don't know. So personally, I don't think it's reasonable. I don't think it's sustainable. I think that's a good point that you mentioned. But the only reason why it is how it is is because there hasn't been any new guidance issued. There hasn't been any steps taken by the IRS, by Congress. There was some sort of um, bill floating around of a potential de minimis bill, which would be really nice for mass adoption on an everyday level for something like coffee. You know, you spend maybe under a certain amount and it's a non-taxable event. That's what I think would be best. And I don't necessarily know the actual dollar number that I would say, you know, I'm not really in the position to make that judgment, obviously. But it should be somewhat reasonable in terms of, you know, if you were to go to the store even, not just coffee, if you were to go to the store and buy some new clothes, right? It should be something like that. I don't think it should be 4 or $5 for like a cup of coffee or a side of fries, you know? So maybe a couple hundred dollars, you get a little exemption on those transactions. And the only reason why it isn't how, how it is today is because I don't believe they have infrastructure in place to be able to trace that type of thing. But as... You know, time moves on and people start implementing not just crypto, accepting cryptocurrencies, but implementing blockchain technology in their enterprises. I I think it's just a matter of time. So would a quick would a quick solve to this from a, a regulation standpoint for this specific topic be that they would essentially have to recognize uh crypto assets as currencies right because the reason this is happening is because they're classified as capital assets and not currencies correct right. yeah it's essentially like you're you're paying for your piece your coffee with a piece of equity in a house or something like that that's like a really terrible <laughs> example but yeah, that's, that's literally what up. it's like God, yeah. that's no but that that's what it's like all no, right last is. question here and then we can move on to number two and uh <laughs> so 
I I was doing some mining and uh, I had to keep records of everything that I mined and what price I bought or what price I received it, the reward at, and if I sold any. Um, walk through really quickly how the what the best way to do um, taxes on mining is. Great question. Or at least like basis and sales on mining. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I don't think that there's multiple approaches to this. We're pretty set on how to how to account for these transactions. Um, one, first and foremost, if you're you know mining and you have a little side business that you might recognize some mining income, maybe not to get too technical here, but on a Schedule C of your uh, tax return, and you have these assets, these rigs that you've purchased, maybe you have some other computing equipment, maybe you have uh, electrical bills, all these things, these can be deducted as expenses and the rigs can also be depreciated so you can capture depreciation expense. But on the other side of it, from the income side, you're right, it's good. You got to detail that type of information or at least keep a log of when the rewards are coming in because at that moment you will have recognized income. And what happens is mm -hmm. The basis of your token assumes the amount of income that you recognize. So hypothetically, let's say you're awarded X token for mining and it's worth ten dollars by the time you by the time you receive it. So you have ten dollars of income. And then by the time you sell it, let's say somebody was really hyped up about this and posted something on Twitter like in the good old days and something would pump 400%, you sold it for $40, you would then have a capital gain on that spread. So the 40 minus the 10, you would have a $30 capital gain. So that's really how to treat that. And we are fairly set in our ways in how to treat uh, mining income. The only types of income that we think are questionable are uh, you know, tokens received via airdrop or via a hard fork. Well, that makes me feel better because that's pretty much exactly how I did it. <laughs> and and I depreciated the rigs and all of that stuff. So uh, look at me. I'm a tax genius. You are. <laughs> you should, we uh, might have to hire you as a consultant. <laughs> Uh, there you go. That's it. We'll, we'll we'll just have you on whenever you want. That's we'll do that instead. Um, all right. So we're going on. That was just number one on the five things to know about your crypto taxes. So we're going to obviously link this blog post to the show, uh, so everybody can go back and read it on their own time. But uh, number two here, you have losses can be used to offset gains and reduce taxes. So talk about that. Obviously, this is the year to. To do such a thing uh, from 2018. So um, walk us through that. Yeah, so this kind of um, coincides with what we were somewhat talking about earlier with the monitoring your portfolio in its BTC value and also, also at the same time, of course, looking at the US dollar value. But what you can do and what we advise our clients who were with us at the end of the year was, you know, you have positions where you sell them and you're selling them at a loss and you also had positions that you sold at a gain earlier in the year obviously in 2018 the first quarter was very profitable there were some moments in um june and may as well where people were seeing nice profits but toward the end of the year the market kind of took a dump we all know and there were positions that people were in that they were able to harvest tax losses right so they had maybe had 
50, let's just use a random example, $50,000 of gains for the first half of the year. And their portfolio value is nowhere near that toward the end of the year. They only had maybe $10,000 worth of portfolio value, but they didn't make any trades to recognize those losses. At the end of the year, they're still on the hook for more than what their portfolio value is. But if they sell those positions and recognize the losses, at the end of the year, how it works is you're summarizing gains and losses. You're summarizing, you're taking the amount of gains you had versus the amount of losses. And if those losses are in a greater amount than your gains, not only will it wipe out all of your gains for the year and you won't have to pay tax, obviously, because you have a net loss, but you can utilize those losses to offset your ordinary income by, in America, it's $3,000 and what you can do is going forward, the remaining leftover capital loss would be carried forward. So if you build up a crazy capital loss, or if you did in 2018, and then 2019, the market turns around and you see some gains, all of that would be able to be utilized against those gains. So that's how you do. That's how you offset um, gains with those losses in the year that you recognize the loss and also going forward in the years if they carry over to um, the remaining years. Oh, that's very interesting. So, so, so what would happen, like you had mentioned, you know, if you, if, if, if you sell at a loss, uh, obviously that's going to help, uh, you know, towards your gains. What about people <laughs> like, um, uh, say people that bought, uh, that got into uh, BitConnect or or these types of cryptocurrencies that basically fell off the, you know what I mean, that, that invested th hundreds or thousands of dollars and literally is worth nothing now. Yeah, no, that's that's also a really good point. So there's um, there were some, obviously, I don't want to call defame anybody and say scams, but there were some not so <laughs> serious to be taken, I would say, tokens that were coming up in the bull, crazy yeah. bull run at the end of 2017. And so a lot of people did lose a lot of money, a lot of money. So if they just lost money based on their investment and they were able to sell off the investment and at least get, let's say, I don't know, you're, it could be a crazy example. They could have invested $100,000 and at the end of the day right. only only had $2,000 left over. Like that's, that's a thing. It could happen. Right. The, yep. That $98,000 capital loss is what would be used. Like it would be a $98,000 capital loss. So if you had gains before that, essentially that could wipe out all of the gains because it could be in excess of those gains. But if it didn't necessarily wipe out all the gains, at the very least what it would do was let's say you had $100,000 of gains before that and that $98,000 loss, at least it would wipe out the 100,000 and you would only have a net essentially of $2,000 of gains. Now, the issue is sometimes people have, you know, there's hacks or there's theft and people lose funds. That's a different story. That would be, you know, treated essentially as a casualty loss, a theft loss. And that is a little different than the capital loss issue, but it's relatively has the same impact in that it would, you know, reduce your taxable income, but on a different scale because a theft or casualty loss isn't necessarily related to that capital capital level capital level of it. 
so that's interesting interesting so uh, i took a couple points away from that but one thing that stuck out to me so in order from in order for the the tax harvesting to uh be in effect for you and uh be something you can do you have to sell it it's too late to do that yeah correct you need to sell that in 2018 to be yeah and here's I'll give you a a little so people so that's something people yeah. should be doing for 2019. Yeah, 100%. I'll give you a little brief story before if you want to you know move to something else, but I had a client literally 5 days ago that didn't make any trades past March. So all of 2018 his entire trades were captured from Ju- from January 1st to March 10th, let's say. But his portfolio obviously wasn't at the value of his gains and he didn't come to us at the end of the year or in December he came to us a month ago and it broke my heart to have to tell him that if you had come to us in November or December you could have saved x amount which would have wiped out his and all of his gains literally wiped out his entire gains um but you're right if you don't do that in the year of the activity, you can't retroactively do it. If you sold some position in 2019, it would have a 2019 effect. Keep that in mind, Chamber, for your tax harvesting. Again, I don't know what cryptos you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, uh, so another, you know, I'm just thinking out, outside of the box here. Um, you know, somebody put all of their crypto on a uh, like a hardware wallet I know you mentioned about you know theft or loss um, like how would one go to prove that they lost a hardware wallet say well you know I had 10 Bitcoin <laughs> that you're charging me for but I don't have it anymore this sounds like a very specific you probably example shouldn't be asking this on our <laughs> podcast but again I don't have any crypto so I'm just saying just speaking out loud if this were to happen extreme, extreme no, hypothetical you do hear, you do, no realistically though you do hear of yeah right. but you do hear of people you know getting their you know losing these types of things or or you know their sure, laptop like you lose your hard drive or whatever like that, yeah. that's happened in the past obviously right so does that is there any way to reconcile that is there any way to prove that you actually lost it or yeah you know? i mean it would be best if you're keeping solid documentation along the way and it's not something that you're just creating out of thin air right mm-hmm. but i mean when it comes to a per dear diary <laughs> <laughs> i lost uh, my i lost my hardware wallet today <laughs> no that's all those that's bitcoins great. The cute barista winked at me. (laughs) It's difficult with hardware wallets because it's in your possession. When when it's something that's happening on an exchange and you have the ability to maybe email a customer service rep and they can have some sort of correspondence and you have that type of electronic paper trail, uh, that's a little easier to prove. You can show that. You can see some type of... um, correspondence like I said before um, something that happened and then maybe whatever happened after that you can you there's a paper trail you can prove it essentially maybe you have the wallet address and you can see there's funds there but you have no access to it something like that Um, the best way to do it would be just have a beefed up documentation a clear file that shows what's happening because at the end of the day the people that are going to be reading these reports, like in all honesty, the people that in the, I'm not sure about in Canada, but the people in, at the IRS that are going to be reading the reports and the computers that are processing electronically filed returns, they might not be as educated on the issues, but if you provide them with solid documentation and you could lead them 
you know, along the way and kind of spell it out for them, which is how we believe every single tax filing should be, crypto or not, you shouldn't run into an issue. And if you do and there were some sort of audit issue, um, you know, if you're not trying to do something egregious or if you're not trying to get in, in, you know, be involved in some sort of nefarious activity, it shouldn't be an issue. You should be able to prove what's going on and what happened. That's uh, Chamber, you just led us right to the number three, keep accurate records. <laughs> so uh, we just touched on that a little. Are there any other any other points you want to make on that? Um, I think one that one that I see here on the website is talking about uh, downloading uh, data from the exchanges as frequently as possible. I think that's a good recommendation if you're trading actively. Um, anything else you want to no, touch on? No, but I do want to say that that is the biggest, most important thing because we've seen obviously just recently um, with exchanges going down, but also even with Cryptopia going down and people not having access to their accounts. Now, I think it's back up, obviously, but just imagine if it, you hadn't gotten access before tax filing season and you hadn't exported any data and didn't have your transaction history, you'd be kind of in limbo. You wouldn't really know what to do. The good thing uh, about most of these exchanges is that they do provide the data. The bad thing is, is that there's no uniformity. They don't really have infrastructure to compute tax reports or anything like that. Even Coinbase's tax report that they compute, I've never seen it be accurate. So um, the fact that they provide you with the data, that's great, but you have to take advantage of it and you have to do it on a regular basis. And we advise all of our clients to create just some sort of formal procedure. Maybe you have a reminder in your phone for the first of every month that you say that says exports data, export data from these exchanges. And then every month, if you get on a new exchange, you add it to that list and you just create some sort of folder on your computer or maybe somewhere else in a Dropbox file and you have access to that at all times because that is the key to be able to determine your gains and losses and all the activity for the year. Awesome. Uh, number four is interesting to me. Transfer from wallet to wallet, which seems intuitive. And then gifts, gifts, not gifts, <laughs> uh, don't create a taxable event. So um, talk right. about that so, a little bit. Right. So, you know, if you were to transfer, if you had a Wells Fargo account and a Bank of America account and you were to transfer funds from one to the other, that wouldn't create a taxable event. And I'm not saying that crypto is currency, but. In, when you're just transferring your, let's say, hypothetically, Bitcoin from your Binance wallet to your hard wallet, that's not going to create a taxable event. Now, what it could do is they might take fees and you might be able to deduct, to deduct that as an expense um, or bake that into the cost basis going forward, but it doesn't create any sort of gain or loss. There's no activity going on there that you have to worry about. You, you're transferring it from one wallet in your control to another wallet in your control. It's fairly straightforward, and some people um, are a little confused on that, but at the end of the day, transfers from wallet to wallet don't create taxable events, and there's really nothing more that needs to be said there. In terms of gifts, that's just straight-up tax law, tax rule. If I were to gift you some sort of property, maybe the value of that asset would exceed the amount that I would be able to gift you for the year, which this year in the U.S. is $15,000. But if it were to be the case, the person gifting the asset would be responsible for paying that gift tax. We don't have to get into gift tax. It's very complicated. It's a whole entire zone of the tax code 
in and itself in and of itself but what you would know is that if you're receiving that gift that's not a taxable event on your behalf what happens is you receive let's say someone sends you one bitcoin the value of the bitcoin was fifteen thousand dollars at the time they sent it to you you receive not the value of the bitcoin at the time they sent it to you you receive the value of the bitcoin at the time they purchased it so their cost basis so if they purchased it for five thousand but it's fifteen thousand dollars when they send it to you your basis that you assume is five thousand dollars now it gets a little tricky where the basis of their token is actually in excess of the fair market value at the time they send it to you if that's the case then you would assume the fair market value of the coin because you're not going to get the ability to recognize a loss if they send you that bitcoin your your cost basis would then be that lower meth that a uh, lower amount and if you sell at a gain in the future again now this is going to get a little confusing as well if you sell at a gain in the future you might have income to recognize or you might have no gain to recognize at all because if they bought it this is a weird little intricate part of the tax code that can be used um, for tax planning it's used quite often actually if they bought something for five thousand dollars and they gifted it to you when it was worth three thousand dollars and you assume that three thousand dollar basis if you sell the asset in between the the lower fair market value or their cost basis no gain recognized if you sell it above their cost basis gain recognized interesting i like how it says here uh this means when someone gifts you crypto get their cost basis information from them i just keep thinking of like if somebody were to give me an actual like a birthday gift like oh thanks chamber you shouldn't have hey what hey what, hey, by the way <laughs> would you pay for this <laughs> what, what, did, what did you what'd you pay for that oh, oh also how long have how long have you been holding it because i need to know that information also. True. <laughs> so you assume exactly. their holding period too right so if they were holding that for over a year okay that's interesting so so as soon as it's gifted and it is over a year is it a long yeah if they've been holding day? even if you yeah you assume the their basis and you assume their holding period so yeah if they've had it for three years and you've only had it for a day it's still a long-term capital asset and it's a little different gifts I don't even I don't really want to get down this road, but gifts are treated differently than let's say um, you know an inheritance. With a gift, you assume their cost basis. With an inheritance, which actually could come into play with crypto, obviously coming down the line, we most of the people in the market are are a little younger. They're not looking to die soon. I don't know how to say that any other way. But with an inheritance. <laughs> I, I live yeah. fast and loose. Yeah. yeah, well, we're just we're just getting I could go we're just getting to know each other. Maybe I would have rephrased that a, a little bit, but um, with an inheritance, what happens is you the way the tax people kind of recognize it, and a good way to remember it is you would step up out of your grave. So in that way, you would receive the fair market value as the basis in the asset that you receive. So if if a house appreciated from $200,000 to a million dollars and you inherited it, you're lucky for you, your basis in that house is a million dollars. If somebody gifted it to you, that wouldn't be the case. Interesting. So you rise like 
<laughs> it's, the Jesus the claus. <laughs> it's the Jesus Claus. <laughs> it's like the Santa Claus, but just a little uh, different. <laughs> I have a uh, one more question that's kind of unrelated to this. It reminded me. I was thinking about it with uh, you know the cost basis and um, more specifically, I guess, for mining too. Um, what's the what's your stance on like? FIFO, LIFO, you know, do you sell, do you claim, you know, the first in, last out, all that kind of stuff? What's your take right. on That's that? That's actually a, a really good question. I'm surprised I didn't mention that earlier. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, so typically people say the, the uh, you know, the go-to way to do it is FIFO, right? That's literally only because the legacy brokerage accounts and it makes sense to go FIFO because they want to incentivize people recognizing long-term capital gains and with FIFO that's probably the most likely way you're going to be able to do so because if it's the first one that you bought coming out first then they might have a longer holding period so when people say that's the go-to method it really isn't it's just the you know standard method because they want to incentivize long-term capital gains they want to allow their clients on these brokerage accounts to recognize long-term capital gains what we believe is that just like on a brokerage account you can identify what you know coin you want to sell um, and there's specific cost allocation methods in addition to LIFO and FIFO but we believe that sticking to LIFO and FIFO um, is probably best most conservative but there are other ways to do it right you can if you can specifically identify which token is being sold then go ahead we're fine with doing that and recognizing the asset as you know a specific cost allocation method like that but um, you know we always tell our clients if you want to incent if you want to see long-term gains in your portfolio and recognize that at a reduced um, tax rate most likely you're going to need to go with FIFO because if you go with LIFO typically people are transacting at a really fast pace a lot of um, quick transactions maybe day or two flips where they're seeing a lot of income and if you're gonna go LIFO mostly every single transaction is short-term so we do um, we perform analyses for all of our clients to determine what is the best method but if they have already elected a method in a prior year and we think it's best and most conservative to say cons to stay consistent and keep applying that method going forward. So if somebody comes to us and it's the first year they're filing taxes, we'll do an analysis, see what can save them the most money this year, and also based on their portfolio strategy, their long-term goals, kind of tell them what going forward, how that would have an impact and how would that, that would affect them. But if they've already done their crypto taxes maybe and they just want another set of eyeballs, typically what we do is elect the same method that they previously had been using. Awesome. That's good. Good information. And Chamber, that's uh, that's <laughs> not was Fido. Time, right? That's not Fido. It's, no. that's your dog's name. P five four There you go. All right, number five. We're running a little long, so I want to make sure we get to everything here. Last one on this list: ten ninety nine Ks don't necessarily reflect your that you. Uh, that you have crypto, your crypto income for the year. Sorry, I can't read or write. Uh, <laughs> so, so touch on that. So, I, this is interesting because I know obviously if you have a Coinbase account or whatever, you're getting a, a 1099k, which basically signals that you have crypto, but not necessarily your crypto income. Yeah. Correct? So those, I mean, I've had clients that didn't get issued 1099ks that had crazy amount of activity on Coinbase. So I'm not really sure what's going on there, but what I have seen um, this year and in, in 
also last year, not just Coinbase, Gemini as well, was that the 1099K was kind of summarizing all the activity in terms of not just withdrawals, I mean, not just sales and purchases, but withdrawals and deposits. And what we had to do was go ahead and, re and what we do anyway, so it wasn't a big deal, was reconcile all the activity on Coinbase. But when we did that, we realized that the number on the 1099K was just way off. So we treat it as somewhat of an informational form that's getting processed to the IRS. So the IRS knows, hey, this individual had a lot of activity or maybe a substantial amount of funds. They sh essentially, they should be reporting some sort of income with crypto. So that's how we approach it because every single 1099K that I've seen from Coinbase does not accurately reflect the actual capital gain or loss amount. So it's just that part of the blog post was mostly to, if people read all the way down and got to point number five, to let people alleviate some sort of anxiety that they would have from Coinbase when they see a 1099K with a large sum of money and they don't really believe they had that big of a gain they're probably right interesting yeah that's awesome so this blog post was really great obviously we just covered uh it in a lot of depth but we'll definitely post this um with the episode so you can go back and read it yourselves um but that's gonna do it for the heavy stuff now we're gonna have a little fun like we always do uh in honor of chamber we are going to talk about tax fraud and, <laughs> and specifically specifically celebrity tax fraud and we are going to go with the celebrity tax fraud draft <laughs> so we have we, we we have a list here of the best celebrity tax frauds and uh what did I, here we go the draft order is myself chamber cynthia jordan snake draft style are we gonna go three or four guys what do you think three you'll go three all right let's do three yeah because yeah, we're that's running a little long yeah all right so i'm gonna go first here um <laughs> i think there's I, a number one overall pick you do i'm, I'm interested to see you what think? you pick I don't know if that. I don't know. I'm gonna go, man. I don't like having the number one here because, um, I, I'm gonna go with Wesley Snipes. There it is. Uh, that, that's who I thought is the number one overall. Me pick. too. Me so too. So in 2008, yeah. Wesley Snipes was convicted on three misdemeanor accounts of failing to file tax returns from 1999 <laughs> to 2001. He kept seven million in taxes from the federal government, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was on house arrest. Oh, he he got it easy. Um, Snipes' tax woes didn't end there. In November 2018, Snipes was ordered by the IRS to pay $9.5 million in back taxes. Ooh, sorry, Wesley. That's a rough, that's <laughs> a rough go. All right. Uh, who is next? Uh, Chamber. Chamber. Uh, Chamber, can you write these down? I don't have a pen on me. Yeah. All right. So you're up for number two. Number two, the juice is loose. OJ Simpson. Oh, he went with the juice. Love the juice. Uh, I love. He, he just doesn't care. He'll murder people, <laughs> evade taxes. Allegedly, yeah, yeah whatever. Murder people. <laughs> Write books. You know, throwing it back in the face. Say, what if I actually did it? Wink, wink. Yeah, nudge, your nudge. the your book will be <laughs> your, your book's gonna be what crypto? By yeah. Chamber. 
I lost <laughs> what crypto? Uh, I lost my crypto? hardware wallet. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he he uh, owed uh, as much as one point four million dollars in back taxes. Uh, so yeah, he's. Uh, I can't wait for my next pick. All right, so that uh, Cynthia, you are up. Mine is a woman. All right, <laughs> Heidi Fleiss. Showbiz oh. madam. Hollywood madam, baby. Thirty-seven months in prison, y'all. Whoa. Tax I mean, evasion and money laundering. That money laundering it. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's good. All right. Uh, Jordan, you have you have two here. You have two here. So you're going uh, your Oof. first and second picks here in the celebrity tax I w- fraud draft. I would, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with, I wouldn't necessarily call him a celebrity, but he, he is a celebrity. I'm going to go with Big Al Capone, indicted on 22 counts. Oh, hey. great one. I mean... That's a good one. That's a really good one. Damn, I'm he's going to wind off of this one pick. Of course That's the tax the, guy knows all yeah. the best. Right? Uh, yeah. Damn they, it. They, <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he definitely they counts They couldn't get him on all the other charges, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they had to get him with tax evasion, and that's typically what happens. So um, don't be like Al Capone in multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Wasn't uh, Al Capone the one that had syphilis too? Yeah, don't, don't be Al Capone. Don't be Al Capone. <laughs> don't be Al Capone. <laughs> really don't be Al Capone. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the hashtag for the uh, episode. Don't be Al Capone. Don't be Al Capone. That's actually, All right. So Jordan, you have your second pick. Funny. Also, okay. my second pick. I was thinking I would hold off on this, but I think one of you might take him. Um, this is in honor of my mother because she used to tell me that. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies were going to end up like this. And so I'm going with Ty Warner, creator of Beanie Babies. Oh, my God. Yes. $53 million. $53 million civil penalty. $27 million in back taxes for evading taxes on gross income of more than 24 million which was hidden in swiss bank accounts did not use monero oh my god monero jordan wins already we're out of here jordan wins wow yeah he's got beanie babies and al capone he's gonna just destroy us destroying us already oh man damn it (laughs) This is in honor of my mother who doesn't pay her own taxes either. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, who's, who's on the clock? Cynthia, you're Cynthia. on the clock here. Okay, I'm going with Nicolas Cage. Good move. Whoa. Oh, How have I not one. been arrested? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Nicolas Cage. 13.3 million. I was so mad. 13.3 million. Wow. Tax right. debt after failing to pay his debts in 02, 03, 04, 07, and 08. <laughs> yeah, he just blacked out for the entire ops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, Chamber, you are up for pick number two. So, I was going with Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, she stole your pick? She stole it right from me. Um, I'm going to have to go with, uh, the haircut, Pete Rose. 
Oh, good one. I was gonna. I was thinking about him. Yeah. Uh, in 2004, he was hit with a nearly one million dollar lien for unpaid back taxes, uh, and still not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Just to throw salt in the wound. Yeah, I know. It's, I'm a big pro. You know, Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame guy. So, all right. So, who do who does everybody have right now? Do you have the list? Here? Yeah. So we have um, uh, yourself with uh, uh, Mr. Snipes. Um, yep. I have OJ and uh, Mr. Rose. Cynthia has Heidi Fleiss and Nicholas Cage, and Jordan has Al Capone and Ty Warner. Okay, so I'm rounding out my draft here with yes. the back-to-back. Okay, so I'm going to go with, uh, in honor of my home state, New Jersey, I'm going with Mike, the situation, <laughs> so Sorrentino, good. from the Jersey store. the Jersey store. right now for it? Yes, he is. Right I will get. I will get to that, in fact. <laughs> he, uh, so the uh, GTL, the T definitely <laughs> didn't stand for taxes because the situation was uh, nine Got million tax dollars. Lean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, GTL stands for Got Tax Lean. Uh, he was accused of failing to pay taxes uh, on nearly $9 million in earnings from 2010 to 2012. Wow, that's a pretty good two-year run, by the way, just no on kidding. income. Man, if I could do that, I would. I'll pay the damn taxes. I'll right. leave me with half, and I'll. You'll yeah. never see me again. Um, he was sentenced to eight months in prison uh, in October 2018, and he began serving his sentence in January 2019. So he's Jim Tan and laundry. <laughs> In the in the yard. Um, all right. So my last pick here is uh, we've talked about this person on the show Uh-oh. before with uh, with our friend Mark Weinstein. Oh, no. uh, I'm gonna go with baby <laughs> murder. Holla holla. Ja Rule, uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Atkins, uh, pled guilty to failing to file tax returns on more than $3 million. Uh, so then what he did was a fire festival. <laughs> <laughs> Way to follow so, that up. Yeah, right. really, a really good couple, uh, couple nice of ideas play. there, job rule. All right, so Chamber, you are up with your last pick. All right, uh, I'm going with a personal hero of mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna take mine. No, I, I am. I don't know where he's from, but in my heart, he's from Jacksonville, uh, and that's Joe <laughs> Francis of Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> Never mind, that's not mine. Uh, Joe Um, Francis. Yeah, Joe Francis of Girls Gone Wild. Um, For those of you who can't see Chamber, his shirt is off right now. (laughs) It is popped off. Let me just pop my shirt off real quick. Uh, (laughs) Spring break! He's officially gone wild. I remember as a child uh, getting uh, my friend's older brother to buy us the the, 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 uh, videos, the VHS tapes. Uh, VHS. Oh yeah, yeah. Like this is back uh, when when it first first started. It was one of my favorite things. Uh, And as I got older, I realized how sad that is. Uh, But uh, you know, here we are, Joe Francis. I'm sure you paid tax on the purchase. I 100% pay tax on the purchase. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got two picks left. Cynthia, who is your final pick? My final pick. I thought this was going to be Chambers' personal hero. Uh, Willie Nelson. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. uh, no, I couldn't call him out like that. 
What did he do? Thirty-two million in back taxes. Oh my god! But it gets Willie, better. You gotta know when to hold them and know <laughs> when to fold them, bro. Bro, it gets better. As a way, okay, to get their money back, the IRS got creative and allowed him to record the album "Who Will Buy My Memories?" The IRS tapes to raise funds. And what? under under the arrangement, Nelson had to sell four million copies of the album to erase his debt. And in what? 1993, he successfully paid off his tax that's bill. Fantastic. Oh my god, that's amazing! Imagine <laughs> Willie Nelson just like standing out on the street peddling his uh, yes. peddling his mixtape from yes. the IRS. It's amazing. <laughs> Smoking a dube. Uh, yes. honey, I didn't pay you as much as I should have. <laughs> oh oh fuck, that's so funny. All right, well, we're all playing for second here i think yeah. so jordan your final i am pick. i'm, I'm not gonna top. lie willie nelson was my next pick and i thought i was gonna steal the draft but ooh, ooh. yeah it would have i would have i would have just quit but it would have been done i will go with another musician <laughs> another rapper not jaw rule but my dog dmx oh <laughs> nah, he had he, he what? What? <laughs> he, he had a you know a little bit of an issue. You know, he went to jail. We all know, and he had to pay back. I think it was like two point three million dollars to the government, and it was a rough time for uh, for DMX, my dog. But you know, <laughs> exactly. What? Love love the music. Love the music. Oh my god! I think, you know. Uh, Honestly, I think I've seen uh, every uh, DMX movie too. By the way, uh, I, I don't know why that is, but I feel like every cat- every movie that's been in this catalog, I, I've seen it. <laughs> Big DMX guy. Big DMX guy. Big, Big DMX guy. He's a rough rider. Uh, all right, we are. That's gonna that's gonna complete our draft here. So, Chamber, read us back the final teams one more time. So we got. Uh, Bunchu coming in with Wesley Snipes, The Situation, and Ja Rule. That's a nice oh, eye. That's, that's a good that's draft. A, that's, that's a good a draft. Good second for, for uh, that's a, I, that would win the three-on-three. Three. Playing for third place. You got three myself. Three-on-three basketball with o- tournament. You're winning that one. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I also have, uh, I have OJ Simpson, Pete Rose, and Joe Francis. Uh, Cynthia's not bad. Cynthia's got uh, Heidi Fleiss, Nicholas Cage, and Willie Nelson. That's a great. Uh, you know what? She, I think Cynthia she might, might have the second best one. Uh, and Jordan. Uh, yeah, well, we're gonna find out. We're gonna let the people decide. Uh, Jordan came in with uh, a heavy hitter, Al Capone, Ty Warner, and uh, Rough Rider himself, DMX. We have to hope that uh, Jordan has to hope that. Yeah, people know that's who true. Ty that's true. Is, I think. Yeah. But and the dollars, the dollars alone. Pennington. <laughs> not confusing with Ty Pennington. Right. <laughs> who may be who may be guilty of tax evasion himself. I'm not sure. Hey, he allegedly. Looks like he you can't say things like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm making sweeping <laughs> statements oh. today. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's going to do it. We ran a little long here, but that's going to do it for us. Jordan, uh, where can people find you? At, just let everybody know where they can find you. and um, you know, Yeah, for sure. Like so we, uh, we are pretty have a pretty solid presence on twitter we like to engage with people there and post things from time to time to give some information it's at taxing crypto uh 
come along, you know, comment on our post, tell us if you want us to provide some particular tax-related content. We're definitely looking to get more into that aspect of the space. And then as far as a website goes, www.taxingcryptocurrency.com. We offer free 20-minute consultations for people onboarding with us. I, again, it's really busy now, um, so I can't promise that we'd be able to get a filing in, but we could definitely get an extension and everything reconciled before the before the deadline. So that's that's where you find us, and we're looking forward to hopefully hearing some some new voices coming in. And after this hour of listening to Jordan and all his advice, you will not end up in jail like some of our favorite celebrities. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you have the wrecked podcast guarantee. That's on right. That. Stamp of approval. <laughs> that's right. So, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Jordan, thank you so much. That was really informative. Um, Chamber, any parting words? Well, you know what? It's nice to see. You know, I like to contrast and compare ideologies. Uh, so, I was a big. Uh, I was a big fan of John McAfee's <laughs> tax plan. Um, <laughs> and now I got Jordan, so I can really try to you know, work out, see which one works, is going to work best for me. That's funny. Uh, Cynthia, I'm not even going to ask you if you have any parting words, because every time I ask you, you say, nope. Nope. <laughs> I, think she, I think we lost Cynthia, too. I think she had a bad connection. There you go. So she's gone anyway. But uh, also, check out, we just put up all the new Ooh. merchandise, Ooh. which is exciting. It is um, slick, too. It's, it's I'll have, chamber I'll have to get some of that. Some stuff, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get you out some swag, Jordan. So, uh, also awesome guys, thank you very much. Uh, until next time, don't get wrecked, and that is financial advice.